Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Transit users, get ready for a tougher commute tomorrow and in the next week. Strike action set to escalate after talks collapse today. Starting Friday, the overtime ban that had previously only applied to maintenance workers will now apply to bus drivers as well. Aaron MacArthur joins us with more on where the talks failed and what commuters should expect tomorrow. Aaron. Sophie, after what was an optimistic day at the bargaining table yesterday came the cold realization today the two sides are still miles apart on any deal. No guarantee these doors will be open Friday. The bus might not even arrive. Drivers are now refusing overtime. It will mean significant service delays. Are you worried about this not being here tomorrow? Extremely worried. It's the only way I can get to school. Thursday morning, talks broke down between Unifor, the union representing bus drivers, and the employer. Both sides saying they are too far apart to get a negotiated settlement. Drivers still touting working conditions as the key component to these talks. Our bargaining committee has taken this bait and switch by the company where they claim to want to talk about outstanding issues as a very provocative move on the part of the company and confirmation that they were never serious about addressing the outstanding issues. Coast Mountain Bus Company says the sticking point is money, arguing the union has refused to budge off its original demands. Our wage offer to the union is well in excess of other public sector settlements in British Columbia. Under our current proposal, the top annual wage for transit operators would be boosted by around $6,000. In addition to 10 cancelled C-bus sailings, the overtime ban will translate into about a 10% reduction in bus service Friday. Passengers will notice the difference. I'm sure the car to goes will all be taken in my area, so yeah, uh, definitely. Prepare for a long trip to school tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. The overtime ban will continue next week, Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Commuters can expect further labor disruptions. All right, Aaron, did either side give you any hint at what it might take to restart negotiations? And both sides are playing that close to their chest at the moment. The company has always maintained they're willing to go to mediation on this, something the union isn't willing to do. Yesterday, the union came back to the table hoping they could get to a deal. That didn't happen. At this point, someone will have to blink. And in the meantime, it's the riders that are going to bear the brunt of this. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that. Aaron MacArthur reporting tonight. Yeah, and a lot of riders. We'll bring in Keith Baldry now for a look at how Metro Vancouver's transit system has grown since the last time these guys went yeah. out on strike. Keith, there's a lot more people who rely on it now. 
Yeah, it's like two completely different systems, Chris. I mean, 2001, 123-day work stoppage uh, in the summer didn't have as big as impact uh, that would occur if a similar uh, stoppage would occur this time because the transit system bears no resemblance to what it was in 2001 in terms of size. Here are some of the numbers. I just want to get your heads around because it's uh, quite substantial. Ridership, for example, up 206 million rides on an annual basis. That's almost a, a 50% increase. Uh, bus operators in terms of bus drivers and people operating vehicles, that's up as well, 1,400, another 50% increase in uh, less than 20 years. Uh, the fleet size of the buses is substantial as well. More than 500 more buses are out there than were there in 2001. The routes themselves, I mean, a lot of people are familiar with this, climbing 58 routes, that's about a third increase over 2001. And finally, SkyTrain, of course, we didn't have the Canada Line or the Evergreen Line back in 2001. SkyTrain track uh, kilometers are now 52 kilometers more than they were in 2001. You put all this together, Chris, and it's obvious that a strike now would have a, a much, much deeper impact than it had in 2001, which raises the question again, it would increase the pressure on the government to prevent that from happening. There's two more weeks left in the session over here. I wouldn't be surprised if something happens the next two weeks in the chamber behind me to end this strike before it gets uh, further down the road. A lot of people hoping they come to some agreement before that. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. Now, details on B.C.'s new regulations aimed at curbing youth vaping, a story we broke on last night's news hour. The health minister is set to introduce legislation later this month. Kylie Stanton has more on the new measures and how it's hoped they'll impact the dangerous trend. As the vapor clears, a growing health concern lingers in the air. It's an addiction at this point, so kind of helps with my like anxiety and stuff. And that's why today... We're taking action in British Columbia. In a joint announcement, the Ministries of Health, Finance and Education laid out a 10-point plan aimed at protecting youth from the risks associated with vaping. Nicotine is enemy number one. The levels will be limited to 20 milligrams per milliliter. On top of that, packaging must include health warnings and any public advertising of the products will be restricted in areas where youth spend time. Then there's regulations on the sale of flavors. As of now, 90,000 retailers could potentially uh, present such products. And as a result of this, only adult-only vaping stores, which are in the hundreds, will be able to sell any product other than uh, tobacco-flavored or cigarette-flavored vaping products, which is a significant and dramatic change. And if that's not enough to deter vapors, there will be a price to pay. If legislation passes, starting January 1st, the PST will climb from 7 to 20 percent. Yes, it is a big tax jump and one that really signifies the urgency of this problem. In the past year, there's been a 74% increase in youth vaping, a trend now being considered an epidemic, much like cigarette use was years ago. And while the new regulations will be supported by an anti-vaping education campaign, health officials are concerned history is repeating itself. So they're using the same tactics, uh, it keeps us on our toes, um, but we are very encouraged today to see um, the significant strides the BC government is making. But to really crack down requires the federal government to follow suit and implement national regulations. What's necessary to address the black market of non-compliant vapor products that are clearly all too readily available. You can make it illegal all you want, but people are still going to find ways to get it. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
Well, let's demonstrate that point. A 2018 survey of B.C. youth who vape shows 21% between the ages of 12 and 19 used nicotine-laced vaping products within 30 days of the survey. Now, if you compare that to cigarettes, just 7% of B.C. youth reported smoking in the same time frame. Concern has been growing around the world with a surge in illness related to vaping. Ted Chernecki has more on how the products differ between Canada and the United States and why that difference is raising concerns the new measures won't address a key issue. You probably noticed there are suddenly a lot of younger people vaping. Stores are popping up everywhere as supply meets demand. 74% increase in youth vaping in one year is alarming. Perhaps more alarming is the level of permitted nicotine. It all makes for very high blood levels of nicotine and, uh, and, and therefore the addictive or the dependency potential. Already there's a class action lawsuit against one vape company, Juul, after two teenagers in B.C. suddenly developed breathing problems. That's, that's the sound of the liquids in my lungs from the vapes. And he never smoked before vaping. Suddenly there are a lot of questions about just what everyone's inhaling. There's a big difference between licensed vape pods and those on the black market. And heat can play a big role in releasing carcinogens like Teflon, found in even legal inhalers. The longer you hold the button, the hotter it gets. And so the, the Teflon is getting up to dangerous levels where there's off-gassing that is likely taking place at that point. So is a dramatic increase in taxes and a decrease in nicotine the answer to lowering the health risks? We're paying more money for less product. Yeah, not good. I think the legislation they introduced today was uh, fantastic. But over at the Vapor Dome, there's a concern that today's efforts to reduce harm could backfire. Walking into a shop today, paying your taxes on your juice and going home and trying to quit smoking, that's going to be a little bit more less likely for probably a lot of customers due to the fact that it is so easily accessible online. He believes higher costs will either drive some customers back to cigarettes and others to the black market, where there's potentially no limit to the carcinogens waiting to be inhaled. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Right now, though, Port Moody Mayor Rob Vagramov says he's returning to work on Monday. Vagramov holding a media availability this morning after news yesterday the sexual assault charge against him had been stayed. Jill Bennett has more on his return to full duties and why some are concerned about how he's now characterizing the issue. The charge against me has been dropped and there's no longer a criminal case against me. Port Moody Mayor Rob Vagramov speaking for the first time after it was announced Wednesday the sexual assault charge against him has been stayed. I'm very glad to be exonerated of this charge, to have my name cleared uh, and to have this issue behind me. But some are questioning the use of the word exonerated. The sexual assault charge stemmed from what both Vagramov and his lawyer describe as an awkward date in 2015. To have the charge stayed, Vagramov says both he and the complainant agreed to an alternative measures process approved by the Crown. I apologize to the complainant uh, way back when this first came out um, for the awkward date that we had. I apologized again recently. What is your response to the allegations? It's a much different tone compared to comments Vagramov made about the allegation in March. The tale grew as it was being told, and I want to be absolutely clear, this allegation is false. The investigation has caused division at City Hall. Even with the criminal proceedings now stayed, at least one city councillor would like to see Vagramov resign. He has admitted to something. He hasn't been exonerated. He hasn't been cleared. So I would feel much more comfortable if he did step down, but I'm going to listen to what our residents have to say. Most of us think this is a plea deal. 
that's not exoneration. He has come out at the beginning of this saying it was a total false accusation, and now he's gone through alternative measures. That, to me, is not saying it didn't happen. Vagramov has been on a leave of absence, but says he will return to his job as Port Moody's mayor on Monday. Yeah, I'm deeply regretful of, of the amount of division that has been caused in the community, absolutely. Jill Bennett, Global News. A B.C. First Nations chief and former B.C. cabinet minister has been charged with sex assault. Grand Chief Ed John is accused of four counts of sexual assault. The allegations involve one woman and date back to 1974 in Prince George. The B.C. Prosecution Service says Special Prosecutor Michael Klein had been appointed to look into the allegations. John is scheduled to appear in Prince George Provincial Court December 10th. The allegations have not been proven in court. B.C. government liquor stores are the latest to begin phasing out plastic bags. The liquor distribution branch says its 197 stores hand out about 22 million plastic bags every year. They'll be replaced by heavy-duty, recyclable and compostable paper bags made by a Richmond company. You'll have to pay for the paper bags, though. The LDB trying to encourage people to bring their own. The switch will start on Vancouver Island later this month with Metro Vancouver stores converting next February and the entire province March 2020. A good news update to a story we first brought you last night about a North Vancouver man fighting WestJet over damage to his specialized wheelchair. Mitch Stark called Global News after WestJet delayed paying for the damage to his $45,000 stand-up wheelchair. He says the chair was dropped several times by baggage handlers. The airline admitted responsibility, but months later the chair still had not been fixed. After we aired his story last night, Stark received a call from WestJet letting him know the repairs have now been approved. They have also told him he will be getting a loaner chair until his is fixed. We all know today's cars are becoming more high-tech with every new model year, but in some cases that complexity is causing problems. Consumer Reports has released its annual list of the most reliable brands. and The winners all make it because those new electronic features work the way they're supposed to. Cars out here on the track. Jake Fisher took us for a spin on Consumer Reports' test track. He's a professional car tester behind the wheel of a Lexus, which the magazine ranked this year's most reliable brand. How important do you think reliability is for consumers when they're thinking about the next car they're going to purchase? We do surveys all the time, and usually that's right there at the top. Along with Lexus, Toyota and Mazda remained at the top this year, consistently free of the problems that often bring drivers in for repairs. Is the trim coming off? Is the transmission malfunctioning? Is the engine leaving you stranded? The annual survey ranked 30 brands. Dodge was the only American brand to crack the top 10 at number 8. Engines, mechanical systems, suspensions, all that stuff is really lasting longer. The problem is, is all this new electronics that we see in these cars, that's where we're seeing a lot of problems. That was the case for Cadillac. Troubles with its infotainment and computer systems helped drag it to last place. We're surrounded by video screens. So imagine if this video screen goes away, it's not just about your radio. I may not be able to adjust my climate control or have a rear view camera. But those problems didn't seem to trip up Lexus. Fisher says proving it is possible to have high-tech cars and still be reliable. Kenneth Craig, CBS News, Colchester, Connecticut. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon alive. 
That's why C developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit C.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. We've got an active shooter at Saugus High School. We need all units to respond. So multiple shots fired, possibly people down. Yet another American school plunged into chaos by a deadly shooting, this time it's in Santa Clarita, California. Two students are dead and three others were wounded. The suspected shooter, whose 16th birthday was today, took his own life after opening fire on other students in the school's courtyard. Just as the school day began in Santa Clarita, California, Multiple shots fired. gunfire erupted at Saugus High School. We need all units to respond. Police and paramedics swarming campus as students race to safety under the cover of heavily armed officers. I will never forget the looks on the kids' faces when they were running out and they were looking behind them, fearing for their lives. The first shots fired at 7.38 a.m. All of a sudden we just hear boom, boom, boom. Authorities say surveillance video shows the suspect pulling a handgun from his backpack in the courtyard, then firing on five fellow students before shooting himself in the head. We didn't really say anything to like react. We just kind of ran towards the S hill. Teresa Figueta called her mom as shots were fired. I heard a shot in the background. Just a bunch of kids were screaming. There's a shooter that a shooter. Run, run, run. Tonight, two teenagers are dead and three are wounded. The shooter, who turned 16 today, remains in grave condition. Police found his weapon at the crime scene. It's a 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol, which had no more rounds in it. Police are now scouring his digital footprint for a motive. I just didn't expect to see that you know, across the street from me. With two crime scenes, the suspect's home and his school, tonight many are gathering at the hospital. I held a bleeding child today in my classroom. Choir teacher Katie Holt helped triage the wounded. I don't think there's any sort of training that can prepare you for this. Tonight, this high school in Southern California, home to the latest school shooting. Lives lost in a place where students should always be safe. Quick clarification of the shooter in that story. He attempted to take his own life, but is still in hospital listed in critical condition at the moment. All right, Italy's government now has now declared a state of emergency in the flood-ravaged city of Venice. Four days of severe flooding have caused damage estimated to be in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, the high tide flooded Venice on a fourth day in a row. Now, this morning, the water started coming in once again from the lagoon into St. Mark's Square and submerged about 30% of this beautiful city. Even though this tide is not as high as the one we saw on Tuesday, there are more tides forecasted for tomorrow and for Saturday. And this frequency of the tides means, according to Venetians, uh, that there is more damage coming in into the city due to the sea salt. So you can distinguish the tourists from the Venetians these days simply by looking at them because the tourists are the ones who are happily taking selfies in the water. Well, the Venetians are the grumpy looking ones who are cleaning up the mess. They are also complaining about the unfinished 
floodgate system, which has been under construction since 2003. And now they say it won't be operational until at least the end of 2021, because this multi-billion dollar project that was marred from the start by corruption scandals and delays and raising costs. The city needs to use more and more technology to protect its landmarks and, of course, making people more aware of the situation. But what we're seeing is higher tides than ever and more frequent coming into Venice. This is Claudio Lavanga for NBC News in St. Mark's Square, Venice. All right, now to some breaking news and downed power lines in Vancouver. That's right. Bus wires have come down onto a car at the corner of Seymour and Robson, blocking traffic in all directions. A witness says the people in the car got out of the vehicle with the lines laying over it instead of staying put as they should have done, waiting for emergency crews. Luckily, no one was hurt. Firefighters have blocked traffic in that area until hydro crews can arrive to cut the power. So keep that in mind if you're heading downtown. Now, it's like a scene from a Hollywood movie. A British inventor wearing a jet-powered suit set a new world record in England. Richard Browning took off from a boat and rocketed to the beach in just seconds. He hit a speed of 138 and a half kilometers an hour. That breaks his own previous speed record for a body-controlled jet-powered suit. The body cam video shows how quickly he blew past that jet ski going at top speed. A Guinness World Records official was on hand to certify the record. Cool. It's super cool. <laughs> in health news tonight, Surrey Memorial Hospital has become the only hospital in Western Canada to offer asthma patients a remarkable new treatment. Nadia Stewart tells us how the bronchoscope can literally change patients' lives. My lung capacity is like 30% reduced from a, a regular person's voice. Martin Bent used to rely on inhalers just to get through the day. To the point that just walking up a flight of stairs, one flight of stairs would make me quite breathless and require use of the inhaler. And I was using it maybe five to ten times a day. Bent is one of three million Canadians living with asthma, coping with a chronic condition where the symptoms can be severe. The cause is unknown and there is no cure. But there is hope. So here's the, uh, the bronchoscope that we use. A breakthrough treatment is changing lives in BC. It involves the use of a bronchoscope, a thin tube with a camera on the end inserted through the nose or mouth down the patient's throat and into their lungs. Then an even thinner catheter is fed down the bronchoscope. On the tip are expandable heat-releasing wires. So it's radiothermal energy, and that energy is applied through the airway wall. So you can just imagine you have a catheter touching the airway wall, applying heat. It doesn't burn the airway, but that heat will change the structure of the airway wall, such that the muscle loses its propensity and ability to constrict. The result? Less tightness in the airways, leading to fewer symptoms and attacks. The procedure is spread out over three 30-minute treatments. Bent was among the first to receive it at Surrey Memorial Hospital during the pilot project seven years ago. It's got to the point that I hardly ever use my inhaler. Like, I don't even carry it with me. The cost of the bronchoscope was covered by a single Surrey Memorial Foundation donor. There's enough money to cover treatment for the next three years, but the hope is Fraser Health will pick up the cost after that, giving 10 asthma patients per year the chance to breathe easier. Nadia Stewart, Global News.
A new program that uses music to help patients with Alzheimer's or other cognitive impairment is expanding to four more long-term care facilities in Surrey and Tawasson. No, the Heart for Music program provides patients with customized playlists of their favorite music. The sense of peace they get from listening to their oldies helps them better deal with their memory challenges. When you're putting the headsets on them, they, you can see it on their face. The, the calmness, the happy smile, they just light up. It's, it's beautiful. People that are distressed will go and put a headset on them and they'll calm right down. And they'll start singing. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, this curious little guy or gal isn't just adorable, but is extremely good news for the Melbourne Zoo in Australia. It's the first baby koala bear born at the zoo in eight years. The five-month-old Joey, whose gender isn't known yet, has just started to peek out from its mother's pouch. Baby koalas often spend the first year of their lives in the pouch. So cute. Aww, why would you ever leave? Right? Well-meaning pet owners are causing big problems across B.C. by releasing their goldfish into lakes and rivers. One particular lake just south of Penticton has been hit especially hard, and local anglers say the government's not doing enough fast enough. Penticton man Don Agnew enjoys spending his retirement fishing on picturesque Yellow Lake southwest of the city. But two years ago, he raised the alarm about the invasion of a non-native species lurking in its depths. Much to his surprise, Agnew hooked a pair of goldfish, which likely came from someone's home aquarium. Concerned, he contacted environment officials and the media. They'll clean up the food supply that the, the trout and the kokanee are relying on. We know they're there, we know they're established, and they're causing some problems in the lake. Goldfish native to eastern Asia continue to proliferate in BC's lakes and rivers, posing ecological trouble. When you introduce a voracious feeder like a goldfish, which will grow to like a kilogram in size, that will outcompete many of the native fish that are in there. The Ministry of Environment received its first report of goldfish in Yellow Lake back in 2015, and the province says the issue is still being studied, with findings expected by next year. The Yellow Lake goldfish are surviving over winter, and the temperature tolerances and their ability to survive in BC lakes will be looked at as part of the risk assessment, says a statement from the ministry. Wallen says the most effective way to eradicate the pesky intruder is to poison them with a natural pesticide called rhodonone. If you've got goldfish that you want to get rid of, you're going to actually have a ripple effect on some of the native fish there. So you're going to watch the timing of it and you're going to want to reintroduce that. But then you can actually restore that lake back to its natural ecosystem. Anglers like Agnew hoping for quicker action. I know they're dragging their heels, they always have. <laughs> Just getting them to do something. Pet owners are urged to rehome unwanted fish instead of releasing them into BC waterways. Shelby Tom, Global News. Another big break from protocol for Prince Harry and Meghan. Right after the forecast, why some royal watchers are wondering if their Christmas plans are another sign of a rift in the royal family. That's coming up. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Yvonne Shelfer. Look at that forecast. 
and a very special night for St. Paul's, a tradition, Yvonne. Yes, and a kickoff to the holiday season. In behind me, a great crowd uh, has gathered around for the Lights of Hope, where over 100,000 light bulbs will light up the hospital. And in behind me, or just in front of me, but you can hear, is the Vancouver Men's Choir. So a great turnout. If you're planning on coming down, there's food trucks. You can get photos with Santa. It's a fantastic event. We'll have the lighting here live in just a few moments, right after the forecast, but we'll go to the forecast right now. Where it is dry, we are seeing some cloud cover, a chance of showers, especially as we approach late this evening, and then the bulk of the moisture is going to move in overnight and as we look ahead towards Friday morning. Big weather story though, a special weather statement has been issued. We have a soaker on the way for Saturday and Sunday with a significant amount of rain pushing in for many areas and we will be looking at the potential for upwards of up to 50 millimeters for Metro Vancouver. Right now it includes Coquitlam and Maple Ridge and along the North Shore Mountains we'll see up to 50 millimeters. So a significant amount west Western areas of the island could see upwards of 100 millimeters. The northern half of the province for tomorrow will be rainy. It'll ease off. We'll be in between systems. South coast rainfall for the morning hours and then easing off towards the afternoon. Our five-day forecast. So we will see Thank some so rain. Much. It We're eases off with a chance of showers on our so Saturday and Sunday. That's the soaker and what and we'll be anticipating. Upwards of up to 50 so millimeters. And then on Sunday, it does start to ease off. All right, that's our forecast. We've been very lucky. It's mild. This is Dick Vallette. You're with the president and CEO for the foundation here at St. Paul's. A very exciting evening. Tell us about where the money is going to be going for tonight. Well, if we hit our target of $3.2 million, it'll be going to the greatest needs of St. Paul's, as well as all of the other Providence uh, healthcare facilities, and rolling up into our big capital campaign, which we just launched a couple of weeks ago for $225 million for the new St. Paul's. Yes, and this is the 22nd year. It is fantastic. What are some of the highlights, maybe new features, if you're coming down to the hospital or if you're going to make a donation? Well, always make a donation all the way to January, 20, uh, January 8th. Uh, we have a living star out today uh, that you can come down and light up by tapping your credit card. Uh, you can choose the amount. The light lights up when you tap. If you don't tap, it goes dim. So keep it lit. Uh, let's keep hope alive. That is very convenient. So everybody can just go on by and tap and make a donation. And you can always make a donation. And the way to do so is? Lightsofhope.com. All right. Let's just check with the crew. I think we're ready to go. We're going to do a countdown for everyone who's here. For those that home who are watching there is a fantastic crowd the energy is amazing down here we've got a crowd behind all right we're gonna do it on the on the count of five we're gonna count down from five so let's do so everybody's ready we've got the thumbs up we're going to go five four three two one so much for having us. If you're still planning on coming down, you can get photos with Santa. The choir is performing here and there is some food. There are some food trucks. So thank you so much for having us. And always, you can make a donation at lightsofhope.com. Back to you guys. All right. Great show down there. Thanks, Yvonne. Lightsofhope.com. Thanks, Yvonne. Thanks, Dick. High tech. All you got to do is tap your card. You keep the 
Keep the lights and on. The stars will shine brightly. That's right. Well, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are breaking with royal protocol once again with their Christmas plans, but Buckingham Palace is downplaying any talk of a rift in the royal family. The palace has announced that Prince Harry, Meghan, and baby Archie will spend their first Christmas together as a family without the rest of the royal family or the queen. They'll be with Meghan's mother, Doria Ragland. She lives in L.A., but it's not clear if that's where they'll spend the holidays. As for any talk of a rift, the palace points out that the year after William and Kate married, and while she was pregnant with George, the couple had a quiet Christmas with Kate's family near London. This is just, you know, all families do it. Oh, my goodness. All the families great do it. Christmas debate. Your yeah. family, my family, alternating years. Who brings the Brussels sprouts? <laughs> that's right. The gravy, the stuffing. Only if they have bacon with them, then. That's right. What was that? Bacon? Brussels sprouts and bacon. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Squire's not a fan. What's going on? What are you doing? <laughs> All right, Squire's here. Yes. The latest on the Canucks. Yes, and Brandon Sutter. But we can't do the thing. Brandon Sutter. But he's not feeling very well right now. It's much <laughs> more fun when he scores. Uh, as we thought, the aforementioned Brandon Sutter has a groin strain. He suffered that against Nashville on Tuesday. The Canucks say... He'll be gone for a week, and then at that point, they'll see how he feels. With him out of the lineup, the Canucks will put in Tyler Grayovac against Dallas tonight. He has NHL experience, played for Minnesota a little bit with Washington, but this will be his first regular season game as a Canuck. He impressed the head coach during the preseason. Uh, I liked him. thought he had a good camp, smart, uh, fairly heavy stick. Um, you know, he's been, been a pro for a while now. I think he understands certain parts of the game. And uh, as far as filling in for a fourth-line spot, that made the most sense. If the Canucks uh, ever score a goal when Josh Levo is on the ice, I want you to focus in on Levo and watch his reaction. I don't think I've ever seen a guy so happy about every goal he sees. Even in the preseason, he was happy when the Canucks scored goals. And he doesn't even have to score them himself. He's just happy for the other guy. He's one of those players who always seems to be having fun being a hockey player. And he's pretty happy the Leafs traded him to the Canucks last season as well. When Josh Levo was acquired by trade from Toronto last December, he knew opportunity was knocking. In parts of six seasons with the Leafs, Levo played a grand total of 84 games, or about the equivalent of one full season. In Vancouver, he's pretty much been a regular for the first time in his NHL career. Bouncing back and forth to the minors all those years has served as motivation. I think uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without a little bit of that. Um, get a little pissed off and uh, you want to make the most of every, every game you can. I didn't want that to happen again, so you know what, that's, I think that's what's pushed me into the player I am now. Scores! Wow. Josh Levo. Levo's production has been pretty good in Vancouver. 12 goals and 27 points in 68 games, mostly playing second and third line minutes. At 26, he is just starting to find his way in the NHL. I think he's a guy that when he's on top of his game, he can be a very effective NHL player. I think uh, he hasn't played a lot in the league, and he's still trying to find his consistency. 
Uh, I think the games that he's on, he's very effective. And the games that he's not, he's average. One thing you notice right away about Levo is the enthusiasm. No one is happier after a Canucks goal than Josh Levo. I like when the team's happy. When we're winning, uh, everyone's happy. So, you know what, uh, seeing someone score, uh, seeing how excited they get, gets me excited. And you know what, um, here for the team. Yeah, he definitely uh, brings that energy and sometimes, uh, especially when you go through times like this where things aren't always going in for you, uh, you need guys to, to kind of bring a little bit of extra kind of positive energy. Sidney Crosby is out six weeks because of a surgery he needs to fix a sports hernia injury. It's actually bothered him since training camp. Didn't get surgery last month because the Penguins had too many injuries already, including of Jenny Malkin. But Malkin's back now, so Crosby has decided now's the time to get the surgery so he can be ready for the second half of the season. The Whitecaps are going to finally name their new sporting director tomorrow, 11.30 in the morning, which means that's the guy who will basically be in charge of the club and scouting players. The Whitecaps have been on a worldwide search for this person ever since they moved Bob Leonarduzzi out as president back in mid-August. There are also reports, and they look to be true, that the Whitecaps have sold defender Daniil Henry to a club somewhere in Asia. And now from Henry to Henri, because the Montreal Impact's new head coach is Thierry Henri. He did manage Monaco in France for 20 games, but was fired in January of this year. Of course, he is one of the greatest French international players ever, also played in Major League Soccer for the New York Red Bulls. Never played in Vancouver when the Red Bulls came here because he didn't like playing on artificial turf. But I'm guessing he'll be okay coaching on artificial turf. All right, Euro 2000 qualifying. Harry Kane in England taking on Montenegro at Wembley. First half, it's already 1-0. And Harry Kane makes it 2-0. This was kind of like a practice session for England. They practice high-fiving. They practice hugging. And the crowd practiced cheering. Kane scoring again. That made it 3-0. Before halftime, he completes his hat trick. And England won this game by a touchdown, a converted touchdown, 7-0 over Montenegro. Last night, son Austin Rivers telling the referee to tee up his dad, Doc Rivers, the coach of the Clippers. Austin plays for the Rockets. He thought it was fun to see his dad get kicked out of the game. There he is laughing at his dad. And there's his dad, not happy. Uh, Austin Rivers said after the game, I think that Thanksgiving is going to be kind of weird because it bothers my dad when he gets kicked out of the game. There he is. Tee up my dad. Kick him out. Somebody's grounded. They're going to be fighting over those Brussels sprouts. That's right. No Brussels sprouts for him. No bacon for him. Coming up on ET Canada, previews of The Crown and The Mandalorian, plus the controversy surrounding the new Lady and the Tramp and what they did to fix it. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl. A popular Vancouver gelato store is now a world record, uh, record holder for its mind-boggling array of flavors. As Global's Ted Field reports, the owner has created yet another flavor to mark the occasion. There is a brand new flavor at La Casa Gelato in East Van, and this one is super fancy. It tastes like champagne, like, like vintage champagne. Dom Perignon is traditionally reserved for big celebrations, and this one is big. 238 flavors big. La Casa Gelato has set the Guinness World Record for most ice cream flavors in one shop. We opened up this shop with 40 flavors, and then every couple of years we upped it 28 flavors, so we went to 68, 
The only color they would use is pink. And Vince became obsessed with flavors. He's created over 600. He started mixing all sorts of suggestions, including the rather smelly durian fruit that became a surprise hit. There were some days that we ran out of durian. You know, it doesn't matter how much I made, I ran out. Some flavors can leave a lasting impression on taste buds and your face. Others use selection strategy. If the white chocolate were to melt with the orange, it'd be better than the other way around. And for some, 238 flavors can be overwhelming. Hey, what's your flavor? And yours? Vanilla. And this legendary place has many more generations ready to find the next flavor that will strike taste bud gold. Ted Field, Global News. That's oh. the Dom Perignon one at the end there? So, I love vanilla. Don't, Why not? but there's don't 238 vanilla, flavors. Yeah, and the most delicious. Yeah, don't at me. Come on, you can get vanilla at a Safeway. You can't get yeah, those, some delish. of those ones. If it's I'm not like really it good vanilla, is really good. I took my mother. Am I okay? I took my mother there once. 238 flavors. She walks in the door. The second one in was Rocky Roads. Oh, I want Rocky Roads. No, no, no. Wait a minute. She didn't even look at the other. One? So there's like 236 more. You gotta like sort of walk around and check look it out. Look at them, but like it's okay to have vanilla. What's yours? Look at them. Mango has always been one Mango's of my favorite. Good. I love. They have, they I love have death them. by yeah. mango. Very oh, good. Really? I also love strawberry. Well. Are we really boring? <laughs> You'll they see they, do. they also have garlic ice cream. No, I'm good. Dazzling array of lights down at Lights of Hope. Thanks to everybody down there at St. Paul's for helping us celebrate tonight. Kick off the holiday season. Have a great night, everybody.